thank you for joining me. That's all right. It's a pleasure. We had a we um, chatted about dogs having sex at gigs for about half an hour, and I decided that we don't actually need to share that part with the School of Songwriting. So we'll just kind of start fresh. Um, good to have you here. Thank you for making the time. No would, worries. Would you mind just giving us a very sort of brief outline of who you are and what you do? Well, I started writing songs when I was, I've done it since I was seven or eight in my nut, but I didn't pick up a guitar till I was 19. I used to write songs for and sing them to local bands and be in local bands before I played guitar. Then uh, pretty soon after learning the guitar, I got a first record deal with a group that was with some guys who were a bit older than me. Um, I'd sent them a demo tape. They, they were on a band on an indie label that used to get played on John Peel and they were called The Great Divide and we got a deal with Island Records and then we made an album which was so bad they they hid it it eventually came out years later on a, on a re-release label and and it's uh i remember playing it to my children and laughing till they were nearly sick so um wow <laughs> then i went to work in a record warehouse still writing songs all the time and um i'm gonna have to sorry just reply to this uh, sorry. Yeah, so I was oh, in um, Domino's Pizza. Hmm? Yeah, Domino's Pizza. No. Yeah. It's uh, my friend Arden in Austin, and he wants to talk to me, and I've just said no. Uh, so then I started a band with a guy called Tony Chef called The Bible, and we made an album that got into the indie charts for years and years, and then we got a deal with um, uh, Chrysalis Records. And we made a record, second record, with um, Steve Earle producing, which was fantastic. And yeah. after that, I fell, I fell apart. I made, I went to Austin and made a record with Darden Smith, who's trying to speak to me right now, still friends all these years later. And then all sorts of things, playing with, I started playing in folk clubs by myself, which changed my life, in fact. And then I ended up playing with Eddie Reader, who I played with her ever since uh which has been the kind of musical adventure of my life brilliant playing with her uh and all along the way i've, pro I've produced lots of records i've written with lots of people i had a record out recently um uh, yeah touring still it's uh it's been a life's work i don't know was that interesting definitely yeah why don't you like just because um, for the people who don't know who you are, tell us some of the people you've written with and don't be shy about it. Well, there's Eddie Reader, obviously. Uh, um, uh, two Spice Girls, Massively Imbruglia, Katie Lang, still one of my songs. Uh, only two years ago, the band Europe, who did the final countdown, I was I was I was uh, a service station T Bay, you know that one in Carlisle. It's the best one. It is the it's best. It's the best one. You got swans and everything. And I I was uh, I was having a, a, a vegan sausage sandwich, and I got a text from my friend Chris Difford from Squeeze saying, "Europe want me to write a song about the Magna Carta, but I don't know anything about the Magna Carta." So uh, I quickly wrote a lyric. Uh, on a piece of paper that happened to me, took a picture of it and sent it to him, and then they recorded it. Wow. 
got got to number one in Sweden, which uh, was it I think stained it, with? Was it like stained with a little smear of vegan sausage when you sent it? It, it was. Well, my favourite bit is that uh, I, it was a bit. It was really silly. It was like I thought, like what would what would uh, I, I? I thought I'd write a spinal tap type lyric. So at one point, I. Um, it's got the the uh, and and the archers of Agincourt. You know, I had got that that in there. I thought I just thought that there's no way they're going to record. So they did record it, and it was recorded in London. And the guy sings the the archers of Agincourt. That really upset. That upset me. There's all these people. No one corrected uh, Joey Tempest. That's I think they couldn't read it because it had vegan sausage smeared all over it. To be fair, so it made it tricky for them to. Everyone every even small children know that the tea in Agincourt is silent, you know? Yeah. I don't think it's anything yeah. to do with the vegan sausage roll. No. So they've done him, uh Paul Young, uh um uh, uh what other famous people there be uh Brian Kennedy, got a lot of songs with him, uh Heidi Talbot. Yeah, you. I've written songs with you, which is yeah. one of my favourite records I've ever been involved with, and that's okay. Uh, One would say say that was the peak of your career when you worked on the record with me. Some definitely, it's definitely what you, definitely what you said. You said that, yeah. My mum said that too. I wonder, Boo, how many songs do you reckon you wrote before the first one that that felt like it had some weight to? I think it's really interesting. I think you have to put your hours in. And I think the first one is a song that I still sing now, and Eddie recorded uh, was a song called Joke, and I still do that song. And I just sort of remember it; something clicked into place. When I, my first band that I had, right, was a, a really good band, a really good band, and we very nearly got, uh, even though I was like nine, just 19 and just learned guitar, I was very nearly signed by a major when we, with our first tape. I just didn't know what to do. I didn't have a manager. But what happened was I lived in a flat above a venue and I agreed with the venue that I could play there once a week, which I did. And I didn't know anything about anything. I thought that you had to, every time you did a gig, that you had to have a completely new set. <laughs> so once a week, I would write a completely new set. It must have been ex- exhausted. <laughs> well, I just thought that's what you did. But in in, in in doing that, I think I've probably got my chops together. Do you know what I mean? I was like, oh, God, I've got another five to write before. Well, that, that ties in nicely with my next question, actually, which is you seem to always be working with yeah. lots of people. How do you yeah. manage kind of... Because I know myself, I'm the same, and I, and I know that for me, going between headspaces, even within my own projects, can be mm. quite challenging. Do you have any sort of, are there any things that you find useful in terms of like, for example, right, I recently heard that there's an actor who, when they're playing different roles, they have different Spotify playlists for each character, and it helps them kind of get into the feeling of, of, um, of being specific characters. I'm sure there isn't anything as kind of obvious as that but do you have any kind of practices or, or how do you how do not you- really it's an extension of when you're with someone and that you know them or if somebody you don't know is we all we all slip into ways of being mm. you know i'm different with you for example 
than when I am I am speaking to an undertaker about a, a, a relative. You know, I wouldn't yeah. banter in the yeah. same way. I'd probably be a bit more serious. You know. Yeah. So, but we all do that, and and that's 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 fine. But I really love how those relationships grow. So I have never had a problem with that. If I do have a problem is that I sometimes feel a bit fractured with all the things that I'm doing. I do. And I, or I have a word with myself about, well, I must stop doing that. And then someone asks to work with me and I listen to what they do and I meet them and I think they're really fantastic and I get excited and off I go again. But uh, partly, as you will know, you sometimes end up feeling a bit fractured. Don't you? So. Well, it's interesting what you say because <coughs> De Niro, I think it was De Niro said, he was asked what he found the most difficult and he said scenes where he was not like with anyone basically scenes where he was like right i'm looking for my keys or i'm you know doing a solo activity and i think oh, the time as writers it's almost like that's why it's so hard writing stuff for ourselves versus you know just getting in a room with someone reacting to their energy their spirit reacting to their humor even like i'd say humor can be a big part of um how you keep things going in a songwriting cycle. Like- Totally. I mean, just generally in life, I can't. I feel really anxious if I meet someone and they don't, and that's not part of what they do. So, and then, and then, and then I overcompensate, and then I start cracking jokes even more. And then, before you know, it, I'm driving around in a little car, in a clown car. You know what I mean? It's like I, I have to. I can only work with people who think things are funny. I can't, especially with songwriting, because it's pretty serious, isn't it? And if, if you're it's- serious. Oh, totally, totally. I I had to learn how to, like, in terms of stage, I had to learn how to bring that lightness into the set, like, in between, because I think otherwise, I I didn't know how when I started. I just thought it wouldn't be real to joke when I'm doing these big, heavy songs. You need it. It's it's incredibly important. When when I first did gigs on my own after my band split, the first two tours I did was opening for... Liam Wainwright and Richard Thompson, and just to see the way they took people on a sort of emotional masters roller coaster. Yeah, it's, it's one minute you're crying, next minute you're laughing, and that's what makes for a, a memorable experience. But I have been to gigs where it's just bone crushingly depressing in between as well, and then it's that's not a good feeling. You, you need the lightness to feel to see the dark, you know, sort of thing, you know. Totally. Um, if you if you could so if you could speak to yourself when you were twenty years old, the twenty year old songwriter that you were, is there anything you would say to that twenty year old songwriter? If you had you could say anything to them, you had, you had yeah, yeah, don't be so, don't be so lazy. I would say I would because I had a, I found I had a natural ability to to do it, but I don't think I nurtured it until quite a lot of time later. What do you think it was just had- that, that made you switch into a space of nurturing it, developing it more? Because when I had the fir- my first child, I thought, if I'm going to do this and I'm going to make sure that the people that I care about are okay, I better do this properly. Mm-hmm. And that sort of that kicked me up a gear mm-hmm. um, because... We got we had our big record deal and I I did fuck about a bit you know I said oh I've got a record deal yeah. but now I ever since then I don't know I just sort of grab every opportunity that comes my way to do something creative I, I do you know 
So uh, I think it's fine what we do. It's totally fine. But as soon as there's somebody else dependent on us in any sort of way, I just wouldn't feel good about myself if I if I if I did something and other people suffered for it. If you know what I mean. So I know, and I think it's almost like if you're a songwriter and you have a kid, right? It's almost mm. like you have to go extra hard in that way, right? Because it is a job. Mm. You are kicking about your mates playing a guitar at times, and like mm. it's almost seen as mm. it's seen as quite a self-indulgent thing in a way. Mm. It makes you. For me, since Rosa has made me definitely like more value the seriousity of it, like really take it seriously. Yeah. Sure. Like, and I think I think it I think it blossoms for that. <laughs> I, I really do. I think so too. Yeah. Because it, it has more. It has more depth. But it's a funny. It's a funny job staring out the window, isn't it? But that's sometimes that, that's part of the gig, you know. But it, but but I I I have the fact that people have been have you know that I've done my family gig as well as singing and stuff. That yeah, I I I wouldn't feel good if 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 people suffered like I said. So, and that's a beautiful thing about songwriting as a job. Actually, is. It's a cool job because there are a lot of ways to make it work. It doesn't have to just be being on tour. Um, well, well, that definitely. And that I, one of the other things that I wish I'd told a twenty-year-old was enjoy diversifying. So, and you're you, you're really good at that. And uh, so, as well as playing my own gigs, I play with other people. I play with Eddie. I produce records and I, I I run workshops and I got in a very by fluke over 20 years ago some I was playing in Glasgow and these Danish guys came up to me and said would you come and do a workshop in Denmark and I didn't know what that was no one had ever talked about that so I got a really early jump on that so I did that four years running in Denmark and then I it's now become such a huge part of, of my life and the thing I really love about it is when I see people sort of saying it was an important part of their their sort of learning. So that that I feel very lucky to do that. I'm doing that next week uh, up in Maniac Moor again. I've been going there for 15 years uh, doing residential. How many people um, come to the residential there? Well, it's meant to be 12, but we've let 14 in. Because uh, everyone, it's a, everyone was sort of really wanted to come, and there's lots of people have then gone on to do things. I've made a record. Uh, it's coming out on. Uh, I don't know when, but it's on Hudson with Jenny Sturgeon, and Jenny Sturgeon came on one of my things, and she was uh, an academic, and then she went. Uh, it, she she would say as part of the thing that made her feel like becoming a full time musician, you know. That's amazing. That's amazing. Yeah, I love that. It's so brilliant. And sometimes it isn't people having careers. Sometimes it's people just writing a song for their for their dad or something. Or and one of my favourite ones uh, was a guy who wanted to write songs to thank the hospital that did his heart transplant. So he did that, and then we made a record of that, and then that sits on the counter at the hospital, and people can buy the CD, and every time they buy a CD, 10 quid goes into the 
into, into, into the hospital, you know? That's awesome. lovely. That's lovely, isn't it? <laughs> and we had so much fun about that, actually, is, as well as they're really, and the people I'm coaching at the minute, it's like they need songwriting. Do you know what I mean? And they, they write songs from a space of like needing it. And I think that's, it's really inspiring. It sort of connects you to how, how exciting it is when you first start. It keeps you connected to that kind of hunger and that, that burn. I think there's a thing that happened in the last hundred years or so is it was really what everybody did when they weren't working was creating people would sit in a, in a Victorian house and someone would be even embroidering, someone learning the piano, someone, uh, but we've become a sort of uh, receivers of entertainment. Sure. Mm. And um, I, it's, uh, I think a lot about, like, uh, <laughs> I was talking to a friend about Molly Drake and Nick Drake. Molly Drake wrote these songs and her husband recorded them and they weren't for anyone. They were just to exist. And then then the next generation was uh, there. They had to be validated by sales, you know. So something, and I think in doing the workshops, it's a big part for me was rediscovering the joy of creation, you know. That's so, so cool. And it's, um, I was going to ask actually, because I feel like, most of the work that I do with people, coaching people, it's not actually, I think they come thinking that they want like technical information so that they can be good at it. And I feel like most of the work that I do is about encouraging their ideas, but actually just giving them permission to try things. Because I think everyone has, everybody has a voice and everyone has interesting stuff to say. And I mm. think people just need some permission and and like you say that's so interesting interestingly as well that you say about working with eddie because i remember her sketch she does an amazing sketch about that which mm. she talks about how growing up in a tenement in glasgow how how mm. people entertained each other right it was like well he's got a song or he does a dance or he knows the old folk poems and so i think you're right in the sense that digital entertainment that we consume has maybe taken away some sort of base level of skill that well it's not even a skill it's a need it's a need mm -hmm. the reason those things happened or exist in human behavior is because it's a need you know yeah. and it, and it's been sub sublimated for a lot of people and that so i do stuff for a thing called talent uh, time is talent uh, sorry talent is timeless who is for people over the age of 50 uh who want to write songs uh started by someone who's your age actually um it's it's a really it's so amazing because these are people who've quite often never done it before and then it's the, just it's like an explosion for them you know it's wonderful right. <laughs> really really amazing i'm i'm coaching this woman at the minute right she's 58 and she was a teacher and she just was like i want to be a songwriter and she just quit and she just started writing songs and her songs are unreal and she is like on it. Any little suggestion for like, oh, try this, try that. She's like sending me stuff like I did this, I did that. She's showing up on time. She's showing up completely. It's just such a joy to like work with people who are so ready, if you know what I mean. And I don't mean ready from a 
technical standpoint, I just mean they're really just ready to to immerse themselves and put themselves out there. And I think yeah, it's just amazing. It's really I find it really inspiring. You know, it's brilliant. Yeah, it's brilliant. It's 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 true for everyone. And the, but I think the really great thing about songwriting is it's a really manageable form. It's not like being a stonemason where you have to learn how to chip away. It's like practically with a few uh, skill pointers, yeah. anybody can do it. And there it is. And it's only, it's not a novel. It's not going to take you a year to write. It's a, it, and I think it's a beautiful miniature <laughs> work of art sort of thing. And I, I think that's, I think that's why. I'm really attracted to it. I've been asked to write musicals. I've done music for films. All of those things are fascinating, but there's still nothing like a really banging three-minute song for me. With that, 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 I always think, and I'm sure you feel like this when you do a gig and you do a song and it's it's, it's okay, and you think that one's okay. It's almost like, it, and you perform it for the first time, or you perform it, and it feels like you've changed the shape of the room. I know that sounds really wanky, yeah. but that's what it feels like. Feel, you must have experienced that, oh, you know? Totally, totally. I've had, I've had the other uh, experience too, where I've had, and I think you need a public sphere to try your stuff out, yeah. to really know what it is. Because well, you, certainly, you certainly learn which ones are the stinkers as well. When you, you do, do but, but it's funny how, like, there can be ones that you can really be convinced, like, this is great, and then... You do it live and it's like it's not not good but it's just there's just something that doesn't quite click into place with it and i think live like it's interesting actually it's the whole concept of like audience because that's what songs exist for right they exist to be heard you need them to be heard in order for you to hear them like you know hutch uh, the engineer that I work with a good bit, who you've worked with too, he always says that when he's doing a mix, he imagines that there's someone like stood next to him. Because he says just that kind of external presence helps him to be objective about what is working for him. And it's not like they know better, it's just that other people, I think, amplify things that are already in us. So if you have a little insecurity about a line that, well, I'm not quite sure, or you think a line's great or something, or you're just feeling generally good or generally bad, I think someone else is going to amplify that. So I think the audience, I think what you're feeling when you get that sense that the shape has changed is, is so, I think it's something to do with people coming with you. I think you can really feel that in a room. I heard recently that apparently within 50 minutes at a gig, people's heart rates start to go at the same time like they sink basically oh, it's amazing it's amazing it's amazing yeah and and that's why you'll notice that if you're doing a gig you'll do 10 15 minutes and it's always a bit and then you get this feeling like okay we're all here you know it's a really amazing feeling i do know i know i know it well i didn't know that's what it was but i recognize it and it's uh it's uh it's a beautiful thing yeah Amazing. It's why why one person stood up one end of the cave and started mucking about to the other cavemen, isn't it? It's there's something very very uh, old in it. That's why the guy shit himself at your gig, as you told me on the first call. You know, it was just yeah, the yeah. heartbeat sinked and he just filled his pants. Exactly. 
It's like you, they, they, people's heartbeats get really slow at my gigs, and they lose control of uh, their their sort of. Uh... <laughs> There's a different type of you know you've heard of the Mexican wave, but the Huadin wave is a whole different thing, you know. The brown wave—that's what they call the it. That's right, and I, and honestly, I've only achieved it the once, but it's just, yeah, it's something to aim for. That's why they, that's why I call you Sensei. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, what's what's different to what you thought about being a songwriter? If can you remember what you thought being a songwriter would be like, and if so, no, there's nothing. There's probably nothing different because it's just what I've done the whole time. The fact that I've I have adventures with it never ceases to amaze me, and every time, although it happens less because a lot of some records are digital, but every time a CD or a vinyl arrives that I've had some tiny part of it, that thrill never goes away. Um, and I didn't, I thought perhaps I might get used to it, but some of my friends are a bit cynical, but I've seemed to be unable to get cynical when terrible things have happened, which they have, I was sharing with some of the things that I was working with today because they were complaining about various bad deals and stuff. And I said, hey, just a minute. And I reeled off some and uh, they just become anecdotes to me. Whereas to some people, it seems to be something that eats away at them. But I've, I've quite enjoyed, I've enjoyed my failures as much as my successes. Cause they're, they're hilarious. <laughs> oh, totally. Like, like, I think uh, you heard that quote that's like your your ability to be successful is just down to going from failure to failure with no loss of enthusiasm, right? Yeah, I, I think, think that's true. Being a songwriter, like, of course, you could look at, there's always metrics, no matter who you are, that you could look at to decide that you're not doing well enough or that you're a failure what's that famous story about like metallica and the dude that started a band that was originally in metallica megadeth and yeah he, megadeth he was like he was like gutted because they mustang we never we never beat metallica in terms of sales right but they still sold like millions of records yes and, people do that like yeah. and I, I've, I've been amazed when i've hung around really famous people that uh, uh, the way we compare each other is uh, really quite remarkable. And I try, I try not to do that. But you know, if we're all honest, if one of my pals suddenly does really well, I will smash the flat up, of course, because oh, I'm only human. Right? You have to. You have to. And it's only for, it's only polite, really. <laughs> I do it. I do it because I'm happy for them. Mm. Just a, yeah. When I get really happy, I just need to smash up my house. Do you think of yourself as a driven person, Boo? Do you think you're... No, not really. Why not? I think it's a compulsion rather than drive. I have, I, I genuinely... And I think that's what I really love about working with Eddie. I think she's the same. I don't think she's traditionally ambitious, but she's an incredible achiever because she has a compulsion to do good things, you know? So I think there's a difference. Well, I definitely meet people who are driven because they're craving some sort of success. Uh, but she's sort of looking for just 
really good work, you know, and that, I think there's a difference. Uh, and I, I'm addicted. To, I'm, I'm sort of addicted to that. Every time I write a song, I think, right, this is going to be the one. This is this will be one, but not in terms of a hit or a success, or but just something beautiful, you know. It's like such a funny search, isn't it? Because it's it's like there are some searches in life that you search, and then one day you're like, okay, I'm not going to do that anymore because that's empty. And it doesn't actually serve me. But the cool thing I think with songwriting is that it's a search that never ends, but also feels good. It's not like, you know, for example, an obvious one would be like people drink a lot and then one day they decide, right, well, there's nothing actually there, you know? But it doesn't, although you never get there, you never arrive with songwriting, it still feels like a positive thing if that makes sense yeah i had that i had a yeah definitely i like yesterday I had a really good time with someone and we started to quite a lot of things and there were little changes or little melodic ideas or little um, uh, melody idea uh, uh, um, lyrical ideas that were kind of new to me anyway and i it never stops being exciting ever so even me- today there was something today where I thought of getting I, I remember Tom Verlaine from television once uh, I loved television when I was younger and he said are you going to keep playing you know when he was getting older he said as, as, as long as I can find new ways from A to B I'll keep going and I, I that's uh, that's always stuck with me because I think um, a lot of songwriting is choices and just choosing a slightly different route can lead to little exciting things and i always think of tom verlaine every time so cool you know the choices thing i think what's so fascinating about that is bob dylan that's what i love about bob dylan more than anything is like he's one of the writers who i listen to and i think like why did you make that choice but it it feels Mm. really good you know and i love that i love when you listen to someone and they take it in a way that you wouldn't have, that you don't have access to. Like, why do we have access to different choices? You know, that's what's really fascinating to me with songwriting and, and even work. But, but I, I totally agree. And that's the tenet or the, the, when I do my workshops is giving people the tools so that the choice, the choices um, that you're making become more important than the than the logistics of the choice. Totally. I don't know if that makes sense, but it's like yes, you yeah. know, these, these are all the things you could do. Blah 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 blah. Get them into your belt. Get them as your chops, and then just trust yourself and make and make instinctive choices. Mm. And it, it, that really, it really does work. I think, and I, I mean, I remind myself every time of that. It's like. Some of my favourite songs that I've written is where I've just suddenly gone off on a weird tangent because my brain said do it, but I had the I had the chops to be able to right. follow it. Do you know what I mean? So I wasn't going, oh, does it go like this? Does it go? I just you just do that just because you've learned 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 the uh, the fund- fundamentals, you know? Right, right, and that's like it's about risk in a way, isn't it? And then having a yeah, and I think. 
foundation. I think it's like you can't really take you can't break rules until you know them. You know, <laughs> do you know what I mean? So it's like I love the happy accident. I love the happy accident, but I also like. I, I think I equate it sometimes with really good modern art. It's like you know that person can draw a peach if he wants, but he's decided to go splat. But it's all informed by his his skills and appreciation of yeah. of, of of learning his trade. You know, totally, totally. Yeah. And also, like the ability to hit a mark consistently, rather than there's something about that peach analogy. I always thought about that when I was younger. It was like abstract artists what is it about it that you can still tell even when it's really scraggly and kind of uh, unconvention, unconventional, what is it about it that there's something that says to you, this person is skilled, right? Yes. There's and that's, that, yeah. that's really, that is, yeah. So that, as I say, that's, that's the whole thrust of when I do my things is I know you've got brilliant ideas. I know you've got ideas. I'd never have. I know all that stuff. But maybe these tools will help you get there quicker, right? But, so uh, I, I'm, I think, yeah. And I've honed it over so, such a long time. I've honed it over such a long time now, uh, and I keep honing it. And I, I just—it's uh, endlessly thrilling when you, you, you know, you spend a week with strangers, and by the end they. They're people you really care about, and they're singing songs that you never ever forget. So it's just a—that's why I do it, you know. So, what could could you give us like two very very kind of succinct um, examples of those logistical tools that you would give? Yeah, no, really understand form, I think, and that came from writing a lot with pop stars in the nineties and stuff. It's uh, but they're not understanding form at all and things being just uh, shapeless and and stuff and I think people understanding form goes right even to like like avant-garde electronica music the really good people know that stuff and the for and form is really deep in 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 the music you know I love I love the what they called um a wing a winged victory for the sullen I love them I know they could do do something really uh, conventional, but they choose to make this sort of beautiful racket. But I can feel their understanding of form in there. Right, right. That's the same thing as we're saying about the, the artist, isn't it? It's like, yeah, for, like Radiohead, right? Great example. Mm. You, you know that they understand like songwriting on a on a very yeah. very deep level although it's like some of it's just fucking all over the place and totally nuts but, no, but you but you you feel the pull of when you when you play with the form you know you if you know the form you feel you feel like i'm pulling away from the form now but that's what bob dylan that's a huge part of it like if you read his chronicles book about how he would sit around and he thought he was writing pop songs you know and or, or lou reed who did write pop songs and then took those that into the Velvet Underground and made this sort of bizarre magic, you know. So that probably is the first thing. And then I'll talk about meter, like understanding meter. Uh, but they're never rules. They're more like, have you noticed this? Or if you do this, it'll work. If I don't, I don't want to tell people something has to be that way. Uh, make them think about repeat, re whether they repeat themselves, the sound of vowels, 
in in a lyric where the vowels fall, all of that stuff. And then everyone's mouth is different. Everyone's accent is different, right? And it's 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 interesting when you sing a song written by someone else that's been written for their mouth, and sometimes you have to change a couple of words just because of the yeah, yeah, yeah. you know everything. Yeah. But um, yeah, so it's uh, it it's uh, and also how to collaborate as well because a lot of people uh, have missed out on that and then they they oh, I've never written with someone else I'm not sure I could and then collaboration is a is a, is a gateway to a whole whole world of sort of friendship if nothing else you know well, and exactly. so, but but also like you will get to know yourself. In a different mm. way. You get to, mm. like, I tell you when I was working, because my first co writing was with you. That was the first time I'd done it. And I was pretty resistant to it. I only wanted to do it with you because you were the first person who, I, I don't know if you got in touch or someone mentioned to me that you were up for doing something years ago. I can't remember. But I remember sort of saving it and having it in the bank. And it was the right call, like working. You have to, to you have to trust yourself on the people that you should write with and you shouldn't write with. Because some people, you know, it's a very sacred thing, and some people you shouldn't get into a room and just bash ideas out with them. I think you do have to mind yourself as well. But interestingly, well, like, hmm. I'm just going to say sorry. The guy Dan that I wrote with recently, hmm. he really illuminated to me that a lot of my ideas. What, like I reach for a kind of morose, <laughs> somber, heavy, deep thing, and I I learned that from work. He he was like, "Hey, you're kind of making this song about loving your daughter into like an existential dread. That's cool if you want to do that." But and I was like, "Ah, oh, shit, I am," you know. So I think that's the other really cool thing about working with other people um, is their their mirrors, right? They give you an opportunity to like see things about yourself that you couldn't see. Boo, we have one minute 51 on the Zoom call. Well, okay. So I think it's a good place to Yeah, I agree. And oh, just the only last thing I was going to leave you with is uh, uh, the Paul Simon quote, which I love and I always think about. Is the, he said, the art of songwriting is making the complicated sound simple. I love that. And, and Dolly Parton says... Life is complex, so we need simple country songs, right? Which yeah, that's true. Amazing. But when you can do it, when you can distill quite a big, complicated thought into something simple that's three three minutes, it's uh, that's. Uh, I remember when we worked with Steve Earle, and he said, "If I write a song with three chords, that's a good day." And you know, like my old friend, the blues, is one of his songs. I love that because he's got one of the most complex brains of any person I've ever met but he, he's trying to push it simple all the time so that's the other thing I try and get across you know is have the big thoughts but make let people get them from your work you know it's a, it's a very good thought to leave things on Boo thanks okay. so much for taking the time to do this I know people lovely are lovely to see you yeah good to see you uh, we'll catch up soon no doubt we'll catch up soon yeah